0: Psalms chapter number 18 tonight, and I'd like to begin reading the first five verses. Let's begin in verse number one. The Word of God says, I will love thee, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength, in whom I will trust, my buckler and the horn of my salvation and my high tower. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised so shall I be saved from mine enemies. The sorrows of death compassed me, and the floods of ungodly men made me afraid. The sorrows of hell compassed me about, the snares of death prevented me. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I'd ask tonight that you'd bless your word. Lord, I know that in of my own self, my own strength, my own standing, that I cannot be blessed tonight. But Lord, I know that in the person of Jesus Christ, Uh, whom you've committed all things unto. Lord, you've committed them to him. He's my older brother. He's the one in whose name that I approach this holy pulpit tonight and preach this holy word. So I ask, Father, that you'd bless him, bless his word, and that you would bless your people and speak to their hearts. Lord, we love you tonight. We ask all these things in Christ's name. Amen. I I want to read to you verse 2 once more, because there's a phrase that I want us to focus on tonight. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength, in whom I will trust, my buckler and the horn of my salvation and my high tower. I'm very interested in the phrase this evening, I will trust. Can I preach to you for just a few moments tonight on the topic, I will trust Him? Do you know that there's only five times in the Word of God that that little ensemble of words is found in such a way, I will trust. Can I say that tonight that is a declarative statement? Do you know that many times trust is something that we do out of sheer determination? If we're always leaning on our emotions to be the motivation for our trust, we won't trust the Lord very often. There's times when your emotions are going to tell you that you shouldn't trust the Lord. Uh, Can I say that trusting the lord is something uh, that is is not just impervious to circumstances but it is something that uh, let me put it best way that i can there's never going to be a time when the circumstances will tell you it's a good idea to trust the lord if there was you wouldn't have to trust it we're talking about faith at its very elemental level If we were to talk about faith, we could give it a lot of lofty theological definitions, but I think it's pretty well summed up in this little word that we have before us, the word trust. That's what it means to have faith in the Lord. It means to trust it. And faith and trust is not something that's always going to be easy to do, but it's always the right thing to do. We walk by faith and not by sight. And so I'm interested that this ensemble of words would be found so few times. But as I studied these words, I found that they present to us five circumstances in life in which it won't be easy for you to trust Him, but the only right answer is for you to trust Him. Let me just say, just by way of introduction, I'm going to give you the introduction right here. You ready? Normally it's long, and normally uh, it's got a tail on it four miles long, but I'm going to tell you, this is the introduction. Can I say that you ought to learn to trust Jesus Christ? You ought to learn to trust Him. It's always the right thing to trust Him. You trust Him, and He'll never fail you. There's always good reason to trust Him. There's never a good reason to not trust Him. The word trust implies the idea of a history, doesn't it? We don't trust folks we don't know. But now if someone has earned a trust, we know based upon the way that they've behaved that we can trust them. Can I say that God's always been faithful to you? God has never given you a reason to distrust Him. God has always came through for you. God has always provided for you. God has always made a way where a way did not seem possible. God has always comforted you when you needed comforting. He's always provided for you when you needed provision. He's always strengthened you when you needed strength. God's always been good and always been faithful to you. He's given you no reason not to trust Him. You say, but preacher, my emotions tell me not to trust Him. What do I do? You ignore those emotions. And you trust Him anyway, based upon the promises of God, based upon the record that He's given us. Five times in Scripture, and I want to give them to you very quickly. We've read in our text here uh, about this is a messianic psalm that deals in many ways with Christ's suffering upon the cross of Calvary and with the endeavor that He experienced in dying for our sins. I'm interested in the word used in verse number uh verse uh, number 2 where it says that he is my salvation the horn of my salvation. Now David is speaking about a time in his life when he was sort of on the run, a time when he was hated, a time when he was hunted. Uh, but as this uh, as David takes pen in hand and is moved by the Holy Ghost, it looks forward into the future when Christ would bear our sins upon Calvary. So I see that David's not just talking about himself, he's talking about Jesus Christ. But then I'm also keenly aware that on the cross of Calvary, Christ was taking my place and your place. He became our sin for us. So in a way, in an extended way, David's not just talking about himself, he's talking about Christ. He's not just talking about Christ. In a way, he's talking about us, because that was the place we should have been upon that cross. That word salvation is very important. Can I say, number one, that we ought to learn to trust Him for salvation. A lot of confusion about this topic of salvation in this day that we live in. I remember hearing a preacher, it was here, I think it was Brother Daugherty, uh, when we had him a few years ago, and he was talking about uh, when he got saved as a young boy. He said that he went down to an altar uh, in one of these backward churches that uh, some of us have been to a time or two. And he went down to the altar, and he needed to be saved. And somebody came up and grabbed him on the shoulder and said, That's all right, son, just hold on. And he said, Hold on. And then here in a moment later, here comes somebody else. Up to pray with him, put a hand on his shoulder, and said, "It's all right, son. Just let go. Just let go." Another another fellow came up here in a few minutes and put his shoulder upon him and said, "It's all right, son. Just just pray through. Just pray through." And finally, after a few minutes, he said, somebody took a Bible and came down, and showed me how to be saved. A lot of confusion about this topic of salvation. Can I boil down for you? And I understand that I am putting in a nutshell uh, a a lot of theological truths, but can I just say that salvation at the end of the day is trusting Him for the forgiveness of our sins and for our eternal destiny. That's what salvation truly is. Now, I understand there's a lot to be unpacked there. I understand that to trust Him is going to denote the idea of repentance. We can't trust on Him if we're trusting in us. I'm aware that to trust him, we've got to acknowledge that we're a sinner; else, we have no reason to trust him. Except we're. Sin- I mean, I'm aware there's a lot to be unpackaged there. But I think where a lot of folks get hung up, it's not in the theological truths concerning salvation. It's that they never have it presented clearly that salvation, at the end of the day, is just trusting him with what you know you can't do on your. You can't save you, and I can't save me. But we come and we do all that God asks of us in confessing ourselves a sinner and on leaning upon the cross of Calvary and asking forgiveness, and then what do we do? We trust Him. We trust Him that what He said is true. That when He made a promise that uh, that if any man come unto me, whosoever cometh unto me, I will in no wise cast out. When He made a promise that if we call upon the name of the Lord, we'd be saved. When He promised us that, then salvation is when we say, okay, Lord, you made me a promise, and now I'm going to commit it unto you, and I'm going to trust you, and I'm going to believe your word that what you said is true. I've heard the analogy given a lot of times growing up. And, uh, you know, a lot of bad things filter through Sunday school classes. You know that? Good intentions, but bad theology. And I always heard, and you've heard it, no doubt. You may have used this illustration. Let me give you a secret. I've used this illustration, too. And then one day the Lord dealt with me about it. But I've heard folks say at times that faith is like sitting in a chair. You've heard You've heard folks say that. It's like sitting in a chair. You can say that you have faith in that chair, but that don't mean anything. You've got to sit down in the chair to have faith in it. But here's the theological quandary. The theological quandary is this. I can have faith in that chair without sitting in it. I can. I can have faith without chair uh, uh, in that chair without sitting in it. Uh, that presents faith almost as though we are trying to prove something to God. That's not faith. Can I give you a different illustration? Uh, uh, just slightly different. I've given this before, but I think it's I think it's well-timed just to give it again. Uh, some of you, I don't know if you've ever traveled. If you're like me, they never take the bracelet off my ankle long enough for me to go anywhere. But, uh, you know, uh, let's say that you'd saved up your whole life and you wanted to go somewhere and you wanted to take a trip. Where's a place you'd like to go? Somebody holler something out. Hawaii, okay, you want to go to Hawaii. You've got everything squared away, and everything's done, and everything's ready. But here's the problem. Do you know that you can buy all the clothes you need for the trip? You can buy all the supplies you'd need for the trip. You can have in your mind, I really want to go on that trip. You can plan that you're going to go on that trip. Do you know that none of that will get you to Hawaii? None of it. Do you know you can go down and you can buy the airplane ticket? Now, let me say that, that thank the Lord that the ticket's been paid for. But you can go down, you can pick the ticket up. I say you can go down. You can pick the ticket up. You can read the ticket. You can believe that the ticket is true. Do you hear me? You can believe that the ticket is true. You can believe that that ticket is paid for, that a way has been made and still not get to Hawaii. Joe, you, know, you can go down. You can stand at the airport, and you can look at the plane that take you there and you can believe that that plane has the capacity to get you there. I, I, I'm telling you something real tonight and something important, so hang with me. You can look at that plane, and you can believe that that plane could get you there in all sincerity. But that won't get you to Hawaii. You say, what's going to get me there, preacher? You've got to climb on the plane. Put your life in the hands of the pilot. Let me tell you the problem. We have uh, equated uh, biblical conversion to academic acknowledgment. And we got lots of people that believe that Jesus is the Son of God. They believe that He uh, lived. They believe that He died for their sins and mine. But they have never come to the place where they're willing to quit leaning on themselves, their religion, their righteousness, their denomination, their church membership, their baptism, their heritage, and cast themselves helpless before the cross of Calvary and prayed like the old preacher did, Lord, do for me what I can't do for myself. Save me from my sins and I'll trust you. I'll trust you. We've got to learn to trust Him for salvation. If if you've never trusted Him for salvation, you've never been saved. Now, let me say that I'm thankful that it's not faith that gets us to heaven. You hear me? It's not faith that gets us to heaven. It's faith that gets us to Christ. It's Christ that gets us to heaven. You say, why does that matter, preacher? Because there's times I've not trusted Him like I ought to. But I'm thankful when He saved me that I was indwelt by the Holy Ghost and sealed under the day of redemption by the Holy Spirit of promise. I'm thankful for that. So don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying if you've uh, had some difficulties in your life, if you've stumbled, if there's been times when you've not been all that you should be for the Lord. I don't know any of us has been all that we should be for the Lord. I'm not implying that you lose your salvation. What I am saying here tonight is that the point of salvation is when the sinner quits depending on anything else and says, I will trust only In the finished work of Calvary, I will look to Jesus Christ, not just to have lived and died and resurrected, but to now be living and risen. I will speak to him and ask him to forgive me of my sins. He's alive and able to save in this day that we live in. We're going to have to trust him. For salvation. Let me give you a second thing tonight. Turn with me in your Bibles to Psalms chapter 55. Psalms chapter number 55. You're already there in the book of Psalms. Shouldn't take you long to get there. Psalms chapter number 55. And I'm turning with you tonight. I usually have it all marked out, but that's a little unfair because I know where I'm going to go and you don't. Amen. Psalms chapter number 55. And I'd like to read two verses to you in Psalms chapter number 55. Uh, Look what it says in verse number 22. The Bible says, Cast thy burden... "...upon the Lord, and he shall sustain thee. He shall never suffer the righteous to be moved. But thou, O God, shalt bring them down into the pit of destruction. Bloody and deceitful men shall not live out half their days, but I will trust." Can I say that we need to trust Him for salvation? It's the only way we can be saved is if we're willing to trust Him for salvation. But for the believer, number two, I'd say that we need to learn to trust Him with setbacks in our life. David, that's really what he's talking about. We can call it, uh, you know, by a thousand different names, but what did old Shakespeare say? A rose by any other name? Still a rose. We, we can call it by a hundred thousand different names, but at the end of the day, that's what he's talking about in verse 22 when he says, cast thy burden upon me. You know what a burden is. A burden is a hindrance, is an obstacle, is something that has impeded your path and stopped you from doing what you had sought to do, David is talking about these difficulties, these setbacks in life. Can I say these things we don't understand, these things we can't figure, these things we can't make sense out of, we're going to have to learn to trust Him with those things. Can I give you a, a, just a grain of truth? Do you know that if God loved you enough to send His Son to Calvary for you, He probably loves you enough to sort out and work out your life if you'll just trust Him with it? You know where a lot of folks make a mess out of their life is not trusting the Lord with it. You say, how do they do that, preacher? They try to do things their own way. Rather than doing it the biblical way, as God prescribes in His Word, putting the Lord first and then trusting Him with everything, you'd be amazed what God can do for you if you'd learn to trust Him. If you'd learn to give it to God first and take what's yours second, you'd be amazed what God can do for you. Do you realize that the Lord's hand is not shortened? Do you realize that the Lord is able to work in your life? There is nothing that hinders God from working in your life and doing what needs to be done except that which is expedient for your spirituality. The one thing that stops God from working in the life of the believer is He will not work in your life if He's trying to bring you to a place where you'll depend on Him and you've not done it yet. I was this morning uh, talking to some folks about, uh, while we were sitting over there eating, I, I was studying about that new cart in the book of First Chronicles and Second Samuel, the new cart that David uh, made to carry the ark into Jerusalem. we got a lot of new cart Christianity in the day that we live in, and it's not getting the job done, amen? God appointed the ark was to be carried on the shoulder of the Levites. It might be a nice cart, it might be the nicest cart on the block, but it's not what God prescribed. There's a lot of nonsense today in churches uh, that passes uh, for spirituality, and it's not. It's nothing but centrality uh, posing itself as spirituality. we got the new cart in a lot of churches that we live in. But either way, I was studying about this new cart, and I found something very, very interesting. As the Bible spoke about this new cart, uh, it said that whenever David went to the children of Israel concerning the Ark of the Covenant, that he said to the children of Israel uh, that we ought to go and fetch it, for we inquired not at all of it in the days of Saul. Read it in your Bible in First, or First Chronicles chapter number 13. We inquired not at all of it in the days of... I'm up here. Amen? <laughs> I'm up here. I'm just saying. I can start crying if it'll get everybody's attention, but but I, I'm i up here. Amen? Um uh, so so I'm going to start preaching like this whenever that happens and see how distracting it is for you. Amen? They inquired not at all of it in the days of Saul. And I thought, you know, boy, that's interesting. That's interesting that they would be so arrogant as to think they could operate without the opinion of God. But then, you know, I thought about you and I. You know, there's many times that we operate without the opinion of God in our life. Uh, We're going to have to do things God's way. We're going to have to find out His way and do things His way. If not, God will not move and work until He brings us to a place of dependence upon Him. Do you know there was one time in the life of Saul when he called for the ark? One time. And when he called for the ark, the Bible speaks that the Lord began to work in the battle and delivered the Philistines into the hands of the Israelites that day. You know what Saul did? He turned around and he said, never mind about the ark. You know, that's a lot of us. A lot of us, we're trying to trust God with things, uh, or we're trying to do things our way, and then things fall apart, and we turn around and we say, okay, Lord, we'll do things your way. He swoops in, He delivers us, and He makes a way, uh, and He uh, reveals something to us that we needed to know. And then all of a sudden, now we have no use for Him anymore, like a spare tire, we put Him back in the trunk. No, friend, you're going to have to learn to trust Him. Trust Him is not a mushy, emotional thing. Trusting Him is something that we do not only as a resolute determination of our spirit, but something that is birthed through our actions, through the things that we do in our life. If you trust Him with the setbacks, you say, What am I going to do, preacher? You're going to keep serving Him even when there's setbacks. You're going to keep serving Him even when set. Even, even when the sick bed comes. You're going to keep serving him. Even when the marital problems, you're going to keep serving him. And I'm not saying that we don't go through problems in our life. I'm very well aware that we do. I'm not trying to diminish or minimize those problems. I'm merely saying when those problems come, you've got to learn to trust Him. He knows what He's doing. He knows what He's doing. We're going to have to learn to trust Him with the setbacks. I want to show you a third thing tonight. We've got to trust Him for salvation. We've got to trust Him with setbacks. Look at uh, chapter number 56. The Bible says, you're right there at it, chapter 56. Look at verse number 1. Be merciful unto me, O God, for man would swallow me up. He fighting daily oppresseth me. Mine enemies would daily swallow me up. For they be many that fight against me, O thou most high. Look at verse 3. What time I am afraid, I will trust in thee. We're going to have to learn to trust him for salvation. We're going to have to learn to trust him uh, when there's setbacks. But we're going to have to learn to trust him when we're scared. I, I don't know, you may not be like me, but I get scared sometimes. You say, preacher, scared of what? Oh, it could be any number of things. Usually it doesn't have much to do with somebody coming in my home or hurting me, although that happens. Usually it don't necessarily have to do with uh, some car crossing the center line, but sometimes we get scared of things like failure and rejection. We get scared of being hurt. We get scared of what folks are going to do to us, uh, not physically, but emotionally. And sometimes it's difficult to trust. And it's difficult. When, when we live in a consistent life of fear, it paralyzes us from doing anything for Jesus Christ. You're going to have times in life it's going to be scary. I'm raising a kid. You think it ain't scary? Sure. Those of you that have done it, you know. Now imagine you raised them whenever. Now imagine raising them today. My, my fellow daddies can testify and mamas too. It's scary. What do we do with that fear? We don't dismiss it. We don't dismiss it. We destroy it through trust. We don't treat it as though it doesn't exist. But instead, we face it for what it is, a ploy and attempt of the devil to try to keep us from depending upon Christ. And what we do is we say this, The devil's a liar. From the beginning, he's the father of lies. But the Bible teaches me, uh, Christ said this uh, about the, for the words of the father. He said, sanctify them through thy word. Thy word is truth, is what he said. Everything that God has ever told you is true. And so when he tells you he's going to take care of you, guess what? He's going to take care of you. We've got to learn to trust him in those moments of fear and those moments of panic. We all have them. I don't care who you are. We all have moments of fear and of panic when it seems as though our emotions will overwhelm us and drive us to a point of madness. What do we do during those times? We stop, we slow down, we take a moment, and we remember that God's still on His throne. Oh, this isn't very theological, but this will help you tonight. We stop, we take a moment, we remember that God's still God and He's still on His throne, and then we purpose we're going to trust Him. I have those moments, and I guarantee you do, too. That's how you address it. we got to learn to trust Him when we're scared. Notice a third thing. Turn with me to uh, the book of Psalms, chapter 61. Psalm 61. Just a few pages for you. Psalm 61. Look at verse number 1. The Bible says, Hear my cry, O God, attend unto my prayer. From the end of the earth will I cry unto thee when my heart is overwhelmed. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. For thou hast been a shelter for me and a strong tower from the enemy. I will abide in thy tabernacle forever. I will trust in the covert of thy wings. Selah. We've got to learn to trust him for safety. Look what it says again in verse number 3. For thou hast been a shelter for me and a strong tower from the enemy. Could I say that you do have an enemy tonight? You do have an adversary. And beyond that adversary, we live in a perilous world. Is there any doubt about that? We live in a perilous world. And in this world of peril and danger, there's times that that fear that I spoke of a moment ago can overwhelm and overtake you. Uh, Do you realize, I, I mean, listen, we're nuts if we're not scared half the time. I, I mean, I'm being honest with you. I, I'm, not, I'm not contradicting what I just preached. I'm saying in the natural flesh, if we're not scared half the time, we're nuts, because there's a lot to be scared of. Turn on your news sometime. Turn on your news sometimes. Diseases that have never been in this country are in this country now. A threat, a, a political, religious, quote-unquote, violent threat exists in this country right now. Folks getting Beheaded. It's a scary time. But we've got to learn to trust God for our safety, for the safety of your children, for the safety of your grandchildren. Listen, if we were to even dismiss all of those dangers, do you realize that it is nothing but the grace of God and common sense that keeps someone from crossing that center line when you're driving? And let me say this, that not everybody is living in the grace of God, and common sense is on short supply. And yet God's kept you and carried you through all this way. It's almost as though God's able, isn't it? (laughs) It's almost as though God's able. Could I say the reason is because he is able. Do you realize that Satan himself could not touch a hair on Job's head until he had the permission of God? He's your adversary. I'm saying this tonight. God's in control. No matter how out of control it is, God's in control. No matter how out of control your emotions are, God's in control. No matter how out of control your fears are, God's in control. No matter how out of control your situation is, God's in control tonight. You can trust Him. Not just you should. Now, you should, but it's not just that you should, it's that you can. There's lots of folks that you might put your trust in that would fail you, but God won't. David said, I have been young and now I'm old. Somebody say, Amen. Amen. (laughs) I have been young, and now I am old. And he said, Yet have I never seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. I believe David meant what he said when he said that. David said, I have never seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. Now, I think it's important to note that David didn't say, I've never seen the saved forsaken or his seed begging bread. There are times, uh, the Bible says, I was reading it just the other night in the book of Deuteronomy, when God promised that if the nation of Israel uh, was disobedient to him, he'd bring siege warfare upon them. There'd be cannibalism take place within their walls. And you check your Bible out, it happened. It happened, amen? It happened. I'm talking cannibalism because they're disobedient. But if we'll trust him, If we'll be obedient to Him and if we'll trust Him, David said, I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. Let me show you one final thing and then I'm done. Turn with me to the book of Isaiah. Isaiah and chapter number 12. The book of Isaiah and chapter number 12. Just a few pages over in your Bible. Isaiah and chapter number 12. We've got to trust Him for salvation. We've got to trust Him with setbacks. We've got to trust Him when we're scared. And we've got to trust Him for safety. But let me give you one more. Isaiah chapter 12, verse number 1 says, And in that day thou shalt say, O Lord, I will praise thee. Thou wast angry with me. Thine anger is turned away, and thou comfortest me. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. For the Lord Jehovah is my strength and my song. He also is become My salvation. Can I say that you're going to have to learn to trust Him for your song? Isn't that what He just said? Look at it again. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. For the Lord Jehovah is my strength and my song. He also has become my salvation. Can I say something to you tonight, Christian? Can I say to you that if you're not singing a song, if you're saved and if you're not singing a song, it's not because you don't have a song. It's because you don't want to sing His song. Now, I'm not talking, I'm not, I'm not talking about doing backflips and swinging from the chandeliers. God bless you if you do that. God bless you if you're able to do that. But I'm talking about living with a joy in our life. Now, let me give you the other side of that, and that is that, is that we live in a depressed world. I'm not making light of it. I'm being serious right now. We live in a depressed world. We live in a world that's losing its mind. And I'm not just talking about lost folks either. I'm talking about safe folks. We have no way of knowing what has taken place concerning the the food, the water, the medicine in this world to cause us to live such a hectic and such a disturbed and disoriented existence that we live in. But one thing is a sheer truth and that... And it's this, that we live in a world of unhappy people. Unhappy people. Some folks got a reason to be unhappy. Others don't have much of one. But it seems as though everywhere you turn, people have lost their song. They've lost their joy. They've lost their excitement. They've lost their blessedness. And they're just waiting for the night to come, again, I was reading in Deuteronomy. Boy, I tell you, you'd be amazed what God will give you sometimes in them devotional times. Reading in Deuteronomy and said that there'd come a time when you'd, you'd wake up in the morning and long for the evening. and You'd go to bed in the evening and you'd long for the morning. Boy, if that's ever a picture of the world we live in today. That's how folks live their life. They wake up in the morning and long for the evening time, and they go to bed at night longing for the morning, just trying to survive, just trying to make it through. Can I say, you know, the book of Nehemiah says that the joy of the Lord is my strength. If we need strength, it will be found through the joy of the Lord. You say, where does the joy of the Lord come from? The joy of the Lord comes from us trusting Him and rejoicing in things not, not yet given, but eternally promised. Isn't that what Abraham did? Who looketh for a city whose builder and maker is God. And the book of Hebrews chapter 11 says, All these died in the faith, not having obtained the promise. Every one of them died. Abraham never saw the fulfillment, not in that life. And yet Abraham had the joy to be able to go through his life and serve the Lord in circumstances that most of us could never fathom. We're gonna have to learn to trust him, preacher. I don't have a song. Well, no. If you had a song, you wouldn't have to trust him for a song. There's sometimes that we praise God on credit. There's sometimes we praise him on, on emotional credit. We praise him. We don't feel like praising him. You remember what David said in one of the Psalms? He said, "O my soul, why art thou disquieted within me? Why art thou cast down? Hope thou in God." Now, he's speaking to himself. He's speaking to how he feels. And he's saying, why do I feel this way? Why am I disquieted? Why am I so cast down? He says, hope in God. Trust in him. Trust that even though you don't feel like it, he's still good. Trust that even though you don't understand it, he's got a plan. Trust that even though you can't make sense out of it, it all makes sense to him. And one day it will make sense to you. If we only praise Him when we feel like it, the devil will make sure we don't have very many opportunities to praise Him. That's just the truth. You know that Isaiah goes on to say, I will draw, I will draw with joy water out of the wells of salvation. You know what Isaiah is saying there? He's saying, there is a well within me. There is an experience within me. And there's times when the water isn't up on top when I've got to let my bucket down and I've got to get some. I've got to get some from what I used to have when I took that drink and I've got to draw it up and I've got to drink of it again. Let me tell you that if you don't have a song to sing about anything else, you've got a song to sing about the day that the Lord saved you. What do I do when I don't feel like it, preacher? You praise Him anyway. You trust Him anyway. You, you you praise Him on credit things that you know he's going to do why how do you know that because you're trusting him because you're trusting him with their heads bowed with their eyes closed as a musician slips to the piano maybe tonight you just need to trust him a little more won't you slip out of your seat come down and pray and ask the lord to help you to trust him it looks bleak where i'm at preacher well if it looks sunny you wouldn't have any need to trust him preacher it don't make sense from where i'm at Well, if it made any sense, there wouldn't be no need to trust him. Preacher, I'm discouraged where I'm at. I'm depressed where I'm at. I'm tired where I'm at. Well, if it wasn't like that, you wouldn't have no need to trust him.